With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, this is Steve Barnes here on the 17th of March, just a couple days past the Ides of March. Uh, and we're going to be doing a, uh, we're, going to, we're supposed to be doing a life-writing story evaluation today, but the author is, has not yet shown up on the line. I want to make sure that um, the author has to be available to answer questions about the structure of the story. So if the author does not show up, what we will do is we will be, we'll talk in other ways, answering the questions of the people who are on the line uh, and as a way of saying thank you for them showing up and also to see whether or not we can do something of value as long as, as we're here. It's always a good idea to invest our time. So we have uh, Tatiana on the, on the line, and we also have Uije on the line. Uh, Uije is capable of typing in for us questions that you have in any way, shape, or form concerning the process. And uh, Tatiana, we will be able to speak more live. I will unmute Tatiana in just a moment. I'm muting her right now. What I wanted to do was to make another statement just to kind of, um, it's good to talk about what the overall structure of things is. And then we can move in and uh, get more specific about how that structure relates to work. Right now, um, next next Monday, uh, Tanana Reeve and I are going to be having a really important story meeting uh, dealing with a television show. Uh, and right now, she's in Italy. She'll be coming back tomorrow. But we've been able to collaborate uh, while she was gone, using Google Documents to work on the uh, work on a pitch that we're going to be. Uh, we actually already pitched the story once, uh, and what we're doing is we're now hopefully taking it to the next level, uh, showing the producers that we can work within the particular structure that they want. Now, at the same time, she's working on uh, a novel. She's working on uh, short stories. I'm working on a novel, I'm working on short stories, working with multiple people. So what's important, what's really, really critical is that all of these projects be kept separate, but that they're also all part of an overall creative process. And uh, that creative process is more important by far than any individual work that, uh, that you might do. And People often don't understand that the that when I criticize their stories, I don't care that much about the individual story at that moment. What I care about is the integrity of the overall writing process. So for instance, there's that six-step magic formula, and it starts with writing a sentence a day. If you will write a sentence a day, a minimum of a sentence a day, you'll keep that creative space open in your mind and in your heart. 
The next step is that you finish between one and four stories a month, and they need to be short stories. Longer works, long script, it could be a short script, could be a poem. Uh, but when we're talking about prose, we're talking about structure and drama. It could be a short story. It could be a um, a short film. Uh, the reason is that 2,000 words, let's say, of short story will teach you completely different things than 2,000 words of a novel. Uh, a short film will teach you more than a scene in a film uh, because you not only have the dialogue description, the quality of the verbiage, but you also have a sense of structure, the complete structure. And once you have a complete story, then you actually have to go back and be sure that everything within that story reflects to create the, the strongest whole. There are things that you do with language, with pacing, with rhythm, with imagery that relate to the meaning of a piece. And the meaning of a piece is the emotion that exists at the end of the story when the, when the reader puts the story down. Without creating a complete work, you, you just don't know where you are. You don't know where you're standing. So I definitely encourage people to do that. In, unless you have sold multiple pieces, um, basically a stack, of, by the time you've written a stack of short stories, you're ready to go on to a longer piece. You're ready to go on to a novel. But if you haven't done that, then no. The third step, is that you finish what you write and put it in the mail. You have to actually submit it. If you don't submit it, your stories stack up in the drawer. How do you know when you're ready to submit? Well, in some ways, as soon as you start working with me, as soon as you start working with, with my approach, start sending your stuff out. It'll, it'll get rejected, but developing the muscle to be able to withstand rejection is an important part of the process as well. Um, the next step after that is to don't rewrite your material except to editorial request. And this is very, very important because people get caught up in a trap of rewriting their stuff endlessly. They get it finished, but then they're, they're rewriting that story and rewriting that story and rewriting that story. People can do that for years. And like I said, it's not as important to get some particular story perfect as it is to protect the integrity of the process that over a period of time will take you to being the writer that you want to be. The next step after that is that you have to read 10 times what you write. This is often difficult because writers will often, especially once you start getting successful, you can literally start lacking the time to write, but that's going to be very much like being so busy driving that you don't take the time to fill your gas tank. It is critical to read, and you need to read everything. The best writers that I've known, without exception, were encyclopedic readers. Um, it is, that's just a rule of the game. If you're afraid that your work might become imitative, don't be afraid of that. Embrace it. But read enough different people that your imitations are coming from all over the place. That's called developing your own style. Eventually, you'll become so neurologically confused that everything you write will simply sound like your voice. And that's what you're looking for, for your written word to sound like your voice. And the only way to get that, or the first way to get that, is to imitate, imitate, imitate. Read, read, read. Read at least 10 times that you write. And the last step is to repeat this process 100 times because you have to give yourself time. 
a hundred times. No one has yet gone through this process and made it to number 30. Nobody's done that. But you want to give yourself plenty of time just in case. So what I want to do is I'm going to talk to Tatiana. And you're on the phone. Hello there, Tatiana. Yes. Hello. So um, you happen to be the live telephone voice. So talk to me. Let me know something about what it is that you're doing with your work, what brings you here, so that I can be of real assistance to you. Uh, Sure. Okay. So I am uh, a poet and creative writer. Um, I actually have a performance tomorrow. um, Fantastic. Um, And really, what do I do? I don't know. I feel like mostly my writing is really centered in, like, healing and, like, I don't know, telling truths and spoken words. So that's what I mostly do as far Mm -hmm. as writing, but I'm super into, like, writing plays. I just have been, like, suffering from this romantic, like, writer's block. So this, you know, the process um, that you mentioned was super helpful. Um, Good. And that's just, like, writing a sentence a day, which is so doable. But it's also very easy to not do it if you're not in that sort of habit of writing. Um, So, yeah. Well, it's it's your beginning. Now, there are many, many different forms of writing, and they're all valid if, if they're serving the purpose that you, that you desire, which is primarily to affect an emotional change in your, uh, in your audience. The specific aspect of writing, I mean, and we can talk about writer's block, of course, but this, the, the thing that I can be the most helpful with is a piece of dramatic writing because then all of the different rules apply, all of your poetics, all of your linguistics, all of your structural things, all the habit patterns, everything applies there. And so we can really look deeply at your process. So if you wanted to talk about, and if you wanted to tell me just a little bit about one of your projects that is a dramatic piece, preferably something short, where you can give me the basic ideas about it, I'll give you a little sense of how this, of how this works. And maybe we can do something useful for you at the same time. Do you like that idea? Yeah, sure. Um, Great. So I have this, I have multiple pieces in mind um, when you say that. Um, but mm-hmm. one Just choose one. Of, yeah. Um, one is the story of a young girl who um, is just trying to figure out uh, how to deal with childhood trauma. Um, this okay. trauma what, kind of, what kind of tra- childhood trauma? Um, she was molested when she was three. Okay, okay. And that molestation uh, took place between when and when? Three, uh, when and she, how long did it continue? Um, just just a one-time thing that happened when she was three, and then she was molested again when she was uh, eight. Okay. Five now, she's eight. probably not going to remember this, what happened to her when she was three. Um, the, the human memory is like that. Traumatic things that happen when you're that young, especially that are, that are that deep, are often buried memories. They can affect our behavior, but to have conscious access to them is very rare. Now, the eight-year-old one, she's going she's gonna to remember that. Um, yeah. So how old is she now? This sort of process of, like, because she can't remember exactly what happened at three, there mm-hmm. is, like, so – um, in her life, right, at, um, in her 20s, she mm-hmm. uh, 
gets all the documentation necessary um, that happened when she was three. Like there was a police case, so that was ah, got it, got it. Be, okay. Yes, yeah, so she's able to go back and go to the hospitals and go to these doctors and ask them for what they have on file. And there's some pieces of the story missing. So yes, definitely the memory at three, not knowing exactly, but also there's this thing that happens in her dreams where the person who molested her shows up in her dreams in this weird sort of way. Um, okay. So how long is this, is this work? Is this a story? Is it a, uh, a, a monologue? Is it a play? What have we got here? Um, it's a play. Okay. And how many acts play? Um, I imagine to be two. Okay. So it's relatively short. About how long is it? Like how many pages? Approximately. About how many minutes would it take to perform? 45 minutes. Okay. But 45 minutes to perform. All right. So how many scenes are in this play? Um, it's actually not finished. So I... What do you think? Mm, maybe like 10 to 15. Okay. All right. Like including the short scenes okay. and moments. Now, usually, usually people are not looking into events that traumatize them when they were young unless those events are affecting their lives in some way. So what I will ask is these horrific things that happened to her earlier in her life, how do they manifest in her life now? Uh, it's going to affect something. It's going to affect something that involves her career, her relationships, or her relationship with her body. If it doesn't affect one of those three things, it's basically a trivial event. Um, right. So, so where did it hit her? I think relationship um, with mm -hmm. body. and With, with who? With body, the relationship with, with her body. With and her also, body. Yeah, and then also like her, she's a spiritual person, you know, so mm -hmm. there's also this um, rift in her like spiritual practice where because there's some unanswered questions in her past, like she's having a hard time doing the healing work she's supposed to do and wonders about past trauma, generational trauma in that sense of, Okay, you know, so what you're ahead. doing is ground this thing that it affects her body is gives you that you can work with that, you can work with that very well, and you can move from there to the question of spirit. If you start with the question of spirit, that's too high level. Usually, if you start with something has affected her body, the audience will empathize with you. You know, if she is, if she cuts herself, if she has obesity issues. If she has um, bulimic issues, you know, she feels like she has to be perfect physically um, or she feels like she does not want to be attractive to men because, you know, she blames herself for having attracted a predator. There are all sorts of things that this, the, the ways that this comes out. It also is likely to affect her ability to create a, a passionate relationship with a man. Um, so it, what you want to look She's at queer. is... Okay. Okay. So... She might, she might run into some very interesting things there. One is the notion that um, a disproportionate number of, you know, it, 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 how do I say this? Whatever it is being gay is, I would assume that, that an aspect of it is simply that's just the way your heart is. But there's also an aspect 
of I don't want to, I need intimacy, but I'm not going to trust the kind of person who hurt me before. You have to make up your mind about how much of her sexuality is related to the problem. And then what are you saying about that? Um, So if we took a step back and asked you, um, what what is your philosophy or the philosophy that you are expressing in this work? that her gayness, her queerness, is related to having been hurt in this particular way? Was she, was she abused by a man? Um, yes, but I don't think that her queerness has anything to do with her sexuality. I think, I think mm-hmm. her, the, way, the things that affect her from this experience is how people see her and the way that she's, like, treated because she's a person who is, plus size or uh-huh. as a person, you know, that um, those things affect her regardless of what, regardless. I of would think, I think that's, that's strong. That's strong. And I congratulate you for going down that road. Um, and so, but do understand that the strength of drama, the strength of, of, of a play is the quality of the language, is the quality of a conversation between people. The question of her body and her sexuality, uh, if, if the point of this play is to look at the event that happened to her when she was eight and the another event that happened to her when she was three, then you, you've got a situation that's a little bit like Chekhov's pistol on the wall. The question of why is she plus size and the question of why is she queer will both probably come up in conversation and you're going to want, you know, because you can, you can be pretty sure that the audience is going to be wondering what your attitude about those things is, what it is uh-huh. that you're trying to say there. And so what you do is you use that as dramatic fodder. That, be, that becomes the fuel of your piece. You don't hide mm-hmm. from that. You, you use that. You decide both what you think it means and you take a look at what are people's attitudes. One of the things she's going to have to do with therapists and other people are going to have about her. And what you want is for, is for by the end of the play, you want – a story deals with a moment in which a character changes, has an epiphany, has a realization, something shifts. The audience, if you've done your job right, the audience will have a mirroring epiphany. They will have an insight into that character. And if you've created the character properly, they will have a deeper sense of connection to themselves. Okay, so let's see. Lige said, may I add, Steve, why was she not protected as a child? Age three and eight, someone is close to us and making sure we are, we are safe. Trust. Yes, exactly. She's going to have trust issues. The adults around her who were supposed to protect her did not. Now, I know of many cases where people who were abused when they were younger actually adore their parents and will not look at the anger that they have that they were not protected, which, which influences their relationship with their parents. It also influences their ability. So you have a lot of potential powerful conflicts to work with. And what's going to come out of all this, you know, I, I can't possibly tell you what you're going to do with it. What I can tell you is that, that 
you have at least three different issues that can power your peace. And it suggests that one of her conversations should be with, her, with one of her parents. One of the conversations could be with a therapist. One of the conversations might conceivably be with the abuser. Another conversation could conceivably be with someone that she's in a relationship with. She could be in a relationship with someone who is afraid of what might happen if she resolves this issue. One, you know, is insecure enough to wonder whether or not she's going to believe that her, her love, her heart, is, has bonded to another woman because of a damage that happened, as opposed to it simply being part of her human identity. There's a really beautiful conversation that could be had there that has to do with, with she would have chosen this woman to love in a thousand lifetimes. You know, it did not matter. Um, yeah. it, it, all, it all depends on what you think and feel. This is an opportunity. See, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to let you talk in just a second. I, I really will. But in any scene, thesis and an antithesis there is a point to the scene and there is you know it, it, there's a belief it's a, that that we we love what we love because of choices we made in another life not things that we ha- that happened to us in this life or something like that you know this just uh-huh. a position the other position is the contrary it is no we do what we do in response to the damage in this life and then your conversation between people becomes a dialogue between these two different positions and then you, as God in the universe of your story, get to decide what is true. And you get to actually act it out and express it to your audience. And if you, if you sequence these events, these, these ideas, these emotions properly, the audience will have an emotional experience. They will feel like they are seeing into these people. They will feel like they're seeing themselves. And the work becomes powerful. So tell me, when, when people walk out of the theater, how do you want them to feel? What do you want them to think? So go, talk to me. Um, I think I want them to feel accountable, um, and I want them to feel um, um, just overall moved, of course, always, but just really accountable. I feel like accountable for what their behaviors, like don't hurt children, or accountable no, in terms of their I, emotions, like you you have responsibility for healing. Accountable how? Yeah, I think I want them to feel accountable in the instance of like the power of silence and not holding other folks accountable. That you know, hopefully they learn through this young girl's journey, a that like, um, you know obesity and other issues of that sort can be connected to things other than just, you know, sexual trauma and that the way that we treat people, this whole idea of like self-esteem and, um, you know, this is just about how you feel about yourself. It's not actually real that we are, we actually hold some sort of responsibility for how others see themselves because of the way that we treat them, the way that we interact with them, the way that we can even see them as a sexual partner. Cause I think that's a part of this, person's journey, too, is that, like, people don't see them as a sexual desire due to, you know, the long-time history in the U.S. of the mammy role, desexualizing black bodies, um, specifically. Okay, what I need you to do, you've got a lot on your plate there, and it's going to be critical for you to 
tease out the, the single most important thing for you. Not that you can't okay. express other things within your work, but in the course of a relatively short conversation, we need to look at one thread and so you feel like if you got that one thing right, if you kicked its ass totally, you'd know <laughs> that you had a dynamite piece. So what is okay. the one thing you want people to feel and think when they walk out of your theater? Um, and they're going, wow, what a show. I don't know. Uh, of, of a, strangely enough, as a person who loves words, <laughs> can't think of just one other than, like, accountable. Or, you know, things okay, like, so let's say it's accountable. Accountable, specific, be specific. Accountable for what? Okay. Be, be, be deadly specific. Okay. I want people to walk away from this story feeling accountable um, for the ways in which, for how they interact with people. Okay. So you want the audience to feel accountable for the way they interact with people in what way? It's a, there's a, a billion ways people interact. There is something specific here. Is it specifically about judging obesity? You know, uh, yeah, let's just make okay. it that, yeah. Let's okay, so it's about. judging obesity. When they look at a person who is heavy, you yeah. want them to see a human being and not a damaged human being, or you want them to see more than yeah. just the damage. You want them to see more than the body. So you're, are you saying that the obesity can be the result of damage, but the heart within that body still needs love as much as anyone else? That would be a, a way of I'm not saying that that's it, but it's, it's, it's some state. Yeah, that could be a way. Yeah, that, that can be a way. Okay. So that, that can work. Okay. So the, the, that's when you want people to change the way they behave. Now, if, if, that's, if that's what you want people to do, to a certain degree, you've chosen the wrong lead character because the lead character isn't the one who's judging anyone. The lead character is the one who goes on the journey of discovery and the change. So if yeah. she has a, a lover who is, you know, is the lead character who is judging her and learns to accept or is or loses the love of her life because she can't make that adjustment. Now that's that that's good. But your lead character sounds like someone who needs to come to some sort of change within herself. In other words, she's going out, she's finding this information, she's learning about these things. So you're she's the one going on the journey, right? She's the one, she's learning to love herself, accept herself, express herself, confront somebody. She's the one who's on the journey. Is that not correct? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about her. If she's on the journey, what does she need to learn? What, what is she by the end of this play that she was not at the beginning of this play? Because she must change if she's going to be that, that lead person. You know, that, yeah. that sinful person. What does she learn? Be specific. Um, I think that she learns, um, like, peace, you know. There, she I learns think, to love herself, for instance, accept herself, be kind to herself. Um, I think that she's more something. so under, accepts the world as it is. 
She needs to accept she, the world as it is. Yes. Okay. All right. All up until this time. Issues and problems, yeah. Up until this time, what has she, if she needs to learn to accept the world as it is, then that means that up until this time, she has not been doing that. So what has she been doing instead? For instance, she could be immersed in fantasy like Blanche Dubois in, in A Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> you know, um, you know it, it, she could be – there are any number of different fantasies that she could be having that would stop her from being able to engage with life. Um, in in the most effective way, stop her from being able to find love, to being able to love herself. In other words, to it, or if she she might need to forgive somebody outside herself in order to move on with her life. Um, what is it that if she's not accepting life as it is, what does she think life is? What is the mistake that she has made up until this time? I think her main mistake is that she believes people are innately like great positive people that people aren't she be- as bad as they actually are okay so is, is it is it your contention that people are basically bad i think some people can be well we're not world. talking about some some people so so the the change would be that she thinks all people are good she used to think no. all people were good and now she yeah. has to accept the fact that some people are evil yeah Okay, who specifically does she have to accept as evil? Specificity is your friend. <laughs> I, I think the people who, uh, who abuse her and the people who neglected her. That good people can allow evil to happen. I, that is, I think, the epiphany that she comes to and has to and, and gains peace out of knowing that. Because in this world where every, sorry if that's confusing, but like, you know, in this world where she believes everyone is innately good, it's like, how could this happen to me? How could you do this? And it's like, well, people doing bad or evil things doesn't make them a fully, like, into, I don't know if you've ever seen Into the Woods, but the witch character is like, you know, witches can be, witches can be right. Bad people can, bad moments and bad people sometimes can be separate. So who is it specifically that she needs to be able to confront and or accept as evil? I think her mother. Okay. Okay. Now you're getting closer to something. So basically at the at the beginning of this, she's seeing everybody as good. At the end of this, she has to be capable of seeing her mother as being capable of being evil. Now you might be able it might be a matter of rejecting her mother. Or it might be a matter of accepting her humanity. My mother did an evil thing. It was a matter of weakness. Um, one way or the other, as Uije said, her mother was responsible for protecting her and failed. Now, there is a difference between I, was, I did not know and I knew, but I, I did not want or I actively pimped my child out. See, there is monstrosity. Right. There is ignorance on the on there is ignorance on the one hand, monstrosity on the other, and weakness in the middle. What was her mother? Hmm. I I I would say weak. Okay. 
So what I would say is that the dialogue, the, the, most, the most important dialogue that takes place in your play will be, will be a confrontation with the mother. Now, you're going to want that to be as poignant as possible. So the mother could be on her deathbed or she could be in, you know, in a home you know, nearing the end of her life. It could be that her mother is still well, you know, and you know, in her own life. And what's going to, what's necessary is for both of these women to rip their rip their wounds open and come to some sort of an understanding of each other. The applying the hero's journey. Now that I know that at, at the end of this piece, this woman is going to come to the realization that her mother is weak. That suggests and human in that sense, that suggests that she starts from a position of either adoring her mother or hating her. Hmm. It could be either okay. one. You see why it can be either one? Yeah. 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 If, if she adores her, she has to tear the image of her mother down to see the woman that, that she is. If she hates her, she has to tear down the image of what she thinks her mother is, this monster, and see instead a woman who is too weak to protect her as a child. An evil thing happened, but her mother was not an evil thing, except she was, you know, she was weak. There is a tremendous amount of potential drama in that, a tremendous amount. Um, yeah, the mom has a story of her birthing her and saying that when the baby, when she comes out of the womb, the doctor offers for her to see the baby, and the mom says, no, she's not my friend. Like, there's this, you know, anecdotal kind of story around, like, you know, she hated me during pregnancy because the mother had a difficult pregnancy. Um mm-hmm. And just expressing that, you know, like in that first moment, instead of like, you know, adoring her child, she's frustrated at like how hard the pregnancy was. So when the play starts, do you want to start with her loving or hating her mother? I think I wanted to start with her her loving her mom, trying really okay. hard to love her mom. Okay. So if you go from, okay, so Lige says, and that she herself is strong enough to kick her baggage to the curb and to keep on pushing. Absolutely. That you want, you, I would assume that what you want by the end of the play is for this woman to be at a better place in her life. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that means that if you were having a conversation with her, you would say something to the effect that you are beautiful and precious and you were deserving of protection and your mother wasn't strong enough to do it. Uh, I've worked with a lot of people who come from that position emotionally and they have to learn how to treasure themselves because one of the things, that's one of the things that sexual abuse does. It damages your sense of being precious and unique. It turns you into a piece of meat. It's it's horror show in that sense. So if you're writing a story, so if you know, a story is about someone with a challenge. The challenge is to become her own woman. She refuses to do that and because in order for her to 
become her own woman. She has to disown the image. She has to break the relationship with her mother. The, she's locked into this relationship of I love my mom, I love my mom, I love my mom without being able to own the anger that she stuffed the anger toward her mother into her body. For instance, this is just a model. I'm not saying to adopt this. This is one way of looking at this. She has stuck her anger with her mother in her body, poisoned her, her own life because she's so desperate to be loved that she cannot reject the one person who is most central in her life. And so she won't even, it's not even a matter of forgiving her. She won't even look at the emotions that she's feeling, that in order for her to confront her emotions, she's going to have to not be afraid of losing her mother because she has to say things to her mother that could destroy their relationship. Does that make sense so far? Yes. Okay. If that makes sense, then the road of trials in your story is the things that she has to do in order to realize that her life must change into walls. It's, it's almost losing a relationship. It's, and it's the doctor telling her she has to lose weight and her realizing that she's terrified to do it or whatever it is. You will also need allies. Who are her allies? It could be a lover. It could be a friend. It could be a therapist. It could just be her own courage. I mean, it could be a, a two-person I, play. Yeah, I think our allies are, is the spirit world. Is the who? Like the spirit world. Okay, but you're going to need to you're going to need to identify that. So don't just say the spirit world. It, it might be a spirit, a spirit guide, you know, a, an ancestor, you know, a ghost, and you know, a, whatever. So what am, what am, what I'm seeing on the stage isn't going to be the spirit world. I mean, the spirit something is right. going to happen okay. in the spirit world. Who what what is what is her ally there? You mean like a physical, tangible person? Well, it could be a specific. It could be a specific spirit, but you know, the you, you need you you're going to need to 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 personify it so that we can have a dialogue. Yeah. Um. You know. So so who represents the spirit world? What's the I character that represents her, the spirit world? Yeah, Yemaya. Yemaya. Uh, okay. Yemaya. And this is yes. a, a goddess. Yes. Okay. And from what tradition? Um, this African, uh, maybe it's in multiple. Let me look at exactly. Okay, it's like one of the Orishas. Yeah. Okay. All right. So she conjures this goddess. Has she always had the ability to do this? Does she learn this from a priestess or a, a teacher? You know, like who could conceivably be a, a a human ally? How did she learn how to go onto this plane? Or could it be that the abuse itself created? a hole in her consciousness so that she has yeah, these. Yes, I think that is it. Oh, that's interesting because in order, you know, you, there, there's, another, there's another thing you might do. The, when you ask yourself why somebody does not heal, there's always a payoff. There's always, if I heal over here, I have to give this up over there. You could have a situation where in order for her to fully embrace her earthly life, she has to give up her ability to talk to the gods. Oh, no. Okay. Can you see the power of that? Now, once again, I'm not telling you what to do with your story. We're just talking about some of the ways that you can set up the dynamics. You know, I trust you as an artist to find your own way. But I can't be afraid to say, hey, this would be a cool idea. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the way you get to a good idea is by having a lot of bad ideas. 
So it, it, I'm begging your kind indulgence to let me mess with your, mess with yes. your idea here without in the slightest way saying, this is what you should do. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. But you, can, can, can you see it? That if, in order for her to have love, in order for her to be healthy, in order for her to embrace what's left of her relationship with her mother, she will have to give up her ability to talk to the gods. That is a conflict. That's powerful. Jeez, that's, that's tough. It is. It's tough. And life is tough. Life yeah. is pain. There's <laughs> you know, a line from the Princess Bride. Life is pain, Princess. Anyone who tells you different is selling something. So you, if you did that, then at the end, you know, the question of whether she really was talking to the gods, whether she, you know, it, had a schizoid experience, you know, caused by the absolute horror of this abuse, if you're suggesting that that she created an internal family of advisors where she was safe because she did not believe it existed in the outside world, and that if she heals herself enough to attract it in the outside world, she no longer needs that, you know, and that maybe, you know, at the very end, let's say that every time she's talking to Yamaya, uh, there are wind chimes in the background, you know, representing the ancestral music on the ancestral plane. And on the stage, you're getting, you know, deep colors and you're representing the other world, right? Yeah. Um, and then at the end, to Yamaya, but she has, she's, she's healed her relationship with her lover and maybe healed her relationship with her mother, and she's, she's starting to look at her body differently, make that contact with Yamaya, but at the very end, the wind is blowing, and you hear the chimes, and she knows that the gods are there still watching and that she hasn't really lost anything that there is, there's poignancy. There. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And uh, Uije says, I love that you would include an Orisha. We as black folks are looking into this more and more. You could also give us information on this specific God. You could, th- this could be a piece that is deeply spiritual as well as emotional, psychological, sociological. There's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of stuff. It, it, it could have what I call vertical integration where there are multiple levels that you're working on, but it all starts by wanting to give one message to one person. Once mm-hmm. you decide exactly what that message is, that then becomes the core of your piece and everything else can branch out from there. And you can, you can have many, many different meanings. And there will be meanings and other people will take other meanings from it. But, but have the trust in your process to find yeah. a single thing that you're trying to say, a single person you're trying to communicate to, and go deep with that person. So you have, you have a story idea here that has a lot of potential and a unique way of looking at it. You know, I, the, the, the story of the abused person who has to heal is relatively common, but the idea that she can communicate with the gods if you went down the road I'm suggesting or found another road just as good or better, uh, if you wanted to use the idea I came up with, go with God. It's your idea. <laughs> you know? But you could do it that way. And that yeah, could be a, a very satisfying story. Yeah, because I think, I mean, actually thinking about it as a play makes it very limiting in ways in which, like, you know, like a short film or thing of that sort will be able to because, I do feel like spirit is super important to this character. 
And I really like that you um, mentioned, like, being able to, you know, not talk with the gods because I'm thinking about how much this character spends time with the spirits, like this escapism, although it's beautiful to, like, you know, reach out to the gods, it also can be, can remove you from the real world and being able to deal with these other things, so. Oh, sweetie, you can visualize that on the stage. Easy. Really, you can do that. Your lighting design will do it. You know, when she's in the spirit, we'll use a different lighting design. The water. Um, Huh? Yemaya, the the Orisha, uh, is the goddess of water, the seas. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this character loves to swim. It's like the only place their body doesn't feel heavy, Mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, I definitely, I like this. Yeah, now, now swimming is hard to do on the stage. But yeah, you know, if, you, yeah. if you wanted to show her swimming, that's difficult. I don't know how you're going to do that. But, right. um, but you could do that in a story. You know, what I would suggest that you do is you write it as a story where you have no limitations. Because if you write this as a play, as a play first, if you write this right. as a short film first, you're going to be thinking about how expensive it is or how difficult it is. But if you write it as a story first and just, just – to refine your thematics. Then you think about how would I adapt this? Yeah, good, good. So um, is that that helpful to you? Yeah, super helpful. It really made me think about the possibilities. Um, Excellent. Especially thinking about the gods and like, and I never would have thought of like sacrificing her spirituality or her relationship to the gods that help her along? Um, it's not actually be- sacrificing it. That's how she would see it. But by the time it's over, suggest, and once again, I, I cannot help separate my opinions from, from just all I really want to do is to give you some ideas. Um, the fear is that she's losing the gods. The truth is that she's actually living the life that the gods wanted her to live. That right. She was supposed to have... She was supposed to live in this world, you know, and that, so that when she mm, dies yeah. and joins the gods forever, she's a more interesting person. You know, they, 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 the gods want her to live her life. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uije is saying um, you, you could give us information on this specific god and sound effects and song and uh, that Tassiana was a ram in the bush, <laughs> she's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, I think that if, you, if you get really super clear on the, the core of your story and then say, well, what's the opposite? That's the thesis. What's the antithesis? What's the opposite of that? And then every scene in your, in your play or your story or your short film is an argumentation between those positions that to embrace life, we must forget God, or in order to heal, we, we have to move forward and not look back. No, no, in order to heal, we have to look back and, and before we can look forward. So that's thesis and antithesis. So state clearly what it is that you want to do, and then be sure that you choreograph a story where at the end of the story, you've never, you've never directly stated your thesis. You never directly state your thesis. You allow that to act its way out. Because if you state it directly, you're giving the audience a chance to argue with you. You don't want the audience to argue with you. You want to simply present them a story in which through deeply emotionalized words and scenes, 
they are led to a conclusion that you have designed because you are God in the universe and they are trusting you to give them a theatrical experience. Okay? Okay. Thanks. All righty. So um, what you can do is, um, you know, thank you very much for being on the line and for, for trusting me and playing with me with this. Um, uh, Uijie, if you if, if you have a question uh, right now, uh, just type it in and uh, you know about anything that's been said here. Otherwise, we're going to wrap things up. So you've got about ten seconds to <laughs> ask me a question if you have one. Um, Are we going to get because, to discuss the reading at all, like um, in another session, or repeat that, please? Will we get a chance to discuss the reading in another section or time? Well, hopefully we will. I, the, the, for, for reasons I do not understand, the writer did not come on the line. She sent me an email saying that she had, a, she had some technical difficulty. Um, I don't feel that it would be fair to discuss it with her not here um, because she's not able to answer, uh, answer the questions. So I'm going to get on the phone with her and, and try to figure out what happened. And then if possible, we, you know, we might reschedule that. Um, but right now, I'm glad that I was able to help you. I'm okay? super grateful. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. And this, you know, we, like I said, this, this way of looking at story that I have, um, it is, uh, it's something that I, I want you guys to have. Because once you've learned to ask yourself the questions that I'm talking about here, you will find that your intelligence and your creativity are able to focus in on your work in a different way and produce a different level of result. Um, and uh, I'm grateful. Um, to both of you that you were here to give me an opportunity to express this because it's a, it's a blessing to apply different tools to be able to speak to writers and artists and to be trusted with their, their babies. I, don't take, I take that very, very seriously, especially a story that is as deeply emotionalized as this is. This is a, this is a, a topic of huge importance in our world right now. So thank you very much. And uh, I think that that's it for today. We will definitely have another one next month. Let's see what happens if possible. I will get that author on there, and maybe we'll do two stories next time. I'll try to, I'll try to get a little bit better about that. So do um, you have any closing comments, Tatiana? Um, just that I'm super grateful, and I look forward to writing some more and um, exploring. Yeah, keep writing. Absolutely. And you and the uh, – you EJ should reach out to each other over on the life writing group on Facebook and have a discussion about this. Okay. Okay. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Lucky land casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.